0: What is the title of the sermon series? I already forgot.
1: This is called the uh, most confusing glorious chapter,
0: Romans. 8. Oh yeah, yes. the most confusing glorious chapter, Romans eight. Mm-hmm. This is um, this is exciting. I liked your reference to Peter too. I was cracking up <laughs> yeah, at that. How, uh, Paul, yeah, how Paul says
1: Paul says confusing things.
0: The the best uh, way I've ever heard that described was. Uh the pastor was like, even Peter says, Heard you all been reading Paul. I don't know. That's a really good way to say it. That's really so, funny. That's
1: great.
0: So Romans eight is uh is the chapter. Like I feel like everything every time I'm ever in like some kind of conversation about salvation or all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Someone ends up going to Romans 8.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
0: it's just like memorize this chapter and you're good to go. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Is> yeah. <that? laughs> except it is
1: honestly, it is really confusing. And I think, you know, usually, typically, you'll, we can, we take verses there and the, they're amazing verses. But it's one of those things that's hard to see sort of in context, even of the whole of Romans 8 the context of what God's done with the Jews, you know, it's like, and so we tend to take it almost like an encyclopedia of facts about salvation as rather something that's um, sort of like uh, bringing together the, all, the whole arguments of the book of Romans, um, particularly about
0: the Jewish people. So with Romans 8, we, first off, how many parts is this series going to be? Um, probably like four or five. Okay, I feel like uh, listening to the first two. I feel like you got through maybe the first like six or seven verses.
1: Am I wrong?
0: Yeah. Okay, that is no, no, I
1: did get to like verse like
0: twelve. I
1: think. Oh, oh, wow. Okay, I might be skipping. I might be skipping for sure.
0: Well, I mean, you're you're. Trudging right on through there. Yeah. <laughs> well, because I read all of Romans eight after yeah. watching both sermons, and I was like, "Oh, you didn't get very far." <laughs> I was like, "We're way back here still." Whoops. <laughs> so, because I was going to kind of grab some other things to talk about, and then I realized I only had like what nine, twelve verses, yeah, whatever 12 you said verse, it was. Yeah. So, uh, but you talked a lot about the Mosaic Law, mm-hmm. and the, when we talk about the Mosaic Law, we're talking about Leviticus.
1: Right? Uh, You're talking about the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, which would be Genesis through Deuteronomy.
0: Well, when I think law, though, I think, like, when you have, you know, when Moses is, like, listing everything off. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. I think Leviticus is the book that everyone dreads reading. Let's be real. (laughs) Yeah, You you, you get started in that thing, and you're like, when does it stop? that's right. And so how does that relate to christ's crucifixion because the law is what comes before the new covenant so this is we're talking old covenant Mm -hmm. and so where are there any you know anything that like intertwines here like how does how does it relate to how do the two covenants relate
1: yeah so this is a great question because a lot of times it really it really is easy to think that um Moses gave the Israelites and God gave the Israelites, uh, the Mosaic covenant, the law, uh, they couldn't keep it. Nobody could keep it. And so God had to find a better way, um, which was, um, sending Jesus. Right. And so, uh, except the problem with that is, is it's actually a covenant. And so what has to happen in a covenant between two parties is you have to have the fulfillment of the contract. Right. And so, um and with the Mosaic covenant, what we miss in that is um, there's really two ways that that law needs to be fulfilled uh if it's broken it need, um, and there needs to be a cursing <laughs> and if but it but if it's fulfilled, there needs to be a blessing and so since the Israelite people uh, didn't fulfill it, uh, the people of Israel only broke it and so they got the curse um Uh, there still needs to be a faithful Israelite to finish out that covenant uh, in order to bring about the uh, blessings of that covenant. Uh, So it's, and that's actually the thing I think I probably have missed the most about it, is you think of the Abrahamic covenant. It's got a promise that is fulfilled in Christ, right? Um, Which is God's going to bless the nations through uh, Abraham's family. Um, and then you also have the Davidic covenant, right? Which is, he's going to send the Messiah in the line of David's family, which is fulfilled in Christ too. You also have the Mosaic covenant, which, uh, when you think about the fulfillment of it, you think about it, uh, only in the sense that the Israelites didn't keep it. And so it was fulfilled by a curse, but there is a whole nother part of it, which is that it was meant to bring, it was given to give life also. Give life and blessing, and so that's what Paul is actually bringing out: is that all that the blessing, the life that comes from um, the the Mosaic covenant is fulfilled in what Jesus did, and so now it's passed on to us through the Spirit. And you know, we actually now fulfill the the life
0: blessing part of it um, through the Spirit. So Jesus has fulfilled the 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 mosaic covenant. Correct. That's the and, it's a
1: huge huge point about what Paul's
0: trying to make. And since he's fulfilled it, what are we in now?
1: Uh, he so he's fulfilled it by um being the faithful Israelite, so right. the one that kept the law. And so he deserves all of the life that the law said would happen. You know, so but when Moses says,
0: I said before you life and death, uh, blessing and cursing you know which i loved so, i loved your analogy of that too uh, oh yeah oh no wait hold on sorry that hold on let's get to that later i don't want to skip out of this okay, okay yeah, yeah. ahead yeah, fine. so he that's that's the cup in
1: it and so um israel breaks it they get the curse they go into exile um and so now so basically jesus is sent um not only to um Save us from our sins, of course. He's he's sent to be faithful to the covenant. He's to keep the side of the covenant, uh, which was humanity needed to keep. And so, um, God was never able to bring about life and blessing because there was no one there to fulfill it until Jesus. And so, when he fulfills it, uh, it's now finished. But it's actually uh, the finishness of it is um, now. Um, fulfilled in us through the Spirit. So we're bringing about life to the earth. This is actually why it's really uh, an important chapter that, it, that we are not to be people that are um, <clears throat> saved to heaven. Uh, we're, saved, um, not, uh, not, uh, we're saved to or uh, saved for the earth as well. So we are the ones who are blessing the earth and blessing the nations um, by the Spirit. Um, and that's what the new life is. It's really the working out of the fulfillment of the life of the Mosaic Covenant through Jesus.
0: So, like, to put this in an analogy, let's say two people have made a deal that one will provide, um, you know, the ice for the party and the other will provide the drinks, right? Yep. Uh, essentially, one of them isn't able to provide their half and so the other provides both halves. Mm-hmm. And so that's what God's done.
1: Uh exactly. Except it's a little just a little bit more nuanced than that. That would actually be the Abrahamic covenant in a way, like where God provides everything about the Abrahamic covenant. Um, but in the Mosaic Covenant, you have a you literally have the If then, if you do this, then I'll do this. If you do this, then I'll do this. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yes, exactly right. So what Israel could not do uh, to fulfill the life and the blessing of the Mosaic covenant, Christ, uh, God did by sending Christ. So, Mm -hmm. and it makes a little more sense about why he has 40 days in the desert, why he goes to Egypt as a little boy, why he does all these. What's he, what's it saying? He's like, he's fulfilling what Israel could not fulfill and did not do. You know, out of Egypt, if I called my son, he d- takes 40 days in the desert where he's tempted with uh, lack of uh, bread and testing God and all that kind of stuff,
0: right? And so it's wildly cool. Has there ever been, like, do you know of any, like, books, videos, anything like that, that actually brings all those things together? Well, yes, like there is. Yeah, like, there, it's a,
1: actually I I learned a lot of this from N.T. Wright, and he's got a book, new book, actually called "The Heart of Romans," which is uh I just read it. That's why I'm preaching on it too. So, but since I was really felt like I needed to teach, um, our church about this, how, you know, the le- leadership of the Holy Spirit, what life is like now, um, between salvation and the new heavens and new earth. Um, what it actually is God doing through the Spirit, and that's why I think Romans eight is
0: so vital. You know, it's really it's it is mind boggling, and it's so exciting when you know we get into these subjects because there's just so many things that connect, and when you start getting all those connections made, it's it's like a it's like a huge dopamine rush, you know? <laughs> yeah, dude, it is. It
1: is truly. Um, yeah, because it, it is. It's one of those things that is a shame, and it's a shame in my life a bit too where I haven't seen um, you know, some of the clarity about what it means to walk by the Holy Spirit in my life simply because I haven't really understood what God was always trying to do with the people of Israel and how he fulfilled that in Christ and what that means for my living life right now between uh, obviously receiving Christ and my death or Jesus' return.
0: So in a a lot of this, uh, in that first part of this, you talked a bit about what was going on in Rome. Like what kind of prompted the writing of this, the whole letter, not Mm -hmm. just Romans 8, obviously, but the whole letter. And one of the things that I found was really interesting that I didn't know before was you talked about the suspicion about each other between the uh, Jewish Christian and the Gentile Christian. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what led to the writing of Romans was the two of them were what, like they were living out their faith differently, essentially. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Was one side right and one side wrong or is both sides probably were wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay.
1: That's why Paul is so, uh, you know, he takes so much emphasis of course on um, what God has done with the nation of Israel um, in sending Christ, because largely the problem in Rome is probably more Gentile Christians are separating themselves from their Jewish brothers and sisters um, because uh, probably because of long standing prejudice, uh, probably because there was the very seeds of. Uh, wanting to just take Jesus and sort of divorce it from the Old Testament, which eventually mm-hmm. really flowered in the first, uh, I'm sorry, in the second century. And then the churches had to deal with that in a church council um, with the um, Marcion, uh, you know, basically they would come in and just like take out the whole Old Testament and say, we don't really need this, you know, kind of thing. So, um, so, and you'll see the beginnings and the seeds of that, right? Where, um, and then, and, but it, problem with that is of course is jesus starts to look a lot more like a roman uh instead of uh, imagine that right exactly so um and so but of course you know at the time the jews had been kicked out of rome only a few years before they were allowed back in um these are all about this this is very contemporary to all the you know travels of paul and the other evangelists around that are you know sharing the gospel and um and also, of course, too, Jews were um, had a special exemption from having to worship Caesar um, because they weren't going to do it. And the, the yeah. Rome was not going to um, let them or wasn't going to keep up the trouble, right, uh, until essentially A 70 when they were just like, all right time to deal with these guys, um, unfortunately. But uh, that's when, but yeah, so there was lots and lots of suspicions between um,
0: the Roman Empire and uh, Jews. I heard a great saying one time, and it was, you can be sure you've created God in your image when he hates all the same people you do.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. right. He likes all the things you like. He, he hates, hates all the things yeah. you hate. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, so that's that's something they that definitely keep in mind. Uh, so we've uh, kind of covered how uh, the laws is not doable. Like we're not we're not capable at all under any circumstances whatsoever. And you you talked about the the temp like essentially like the temple, but also like Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit kind of thing. Uh, my my note here is that the presence of God equals blessings, mm-hmm. and so where are we at with that? Like, mm-hmm. cause obviously if, um, I mean, I know plenty of people that, uh, you know, live right and well right. and whatnot, and they're not super rich, you know? Yep. So when we talk about blessings, we're not talking about necessarily getting the things that you want, right? We're talking about, uh, what are we talking about? Really?
1: Yeah, this is a great question, isn't it? And so this is, um, so absolutely the presence of God in the Old Testament under the Mosaic Covenant meant that uh, economic prosperity. I mean, abs- it's, almost, it's almost undeniable, really, right? Like Obed-Edom, when he had the uh, Ark of the Covenant in his house, like his crops grew, everything was great, you know, the family was growing. Like it was, it meant both family uh, prosperity, health, prosperity, economic prosperity, right? So when, you know, a a church now is into preaching what's called a prosperity gospel, you know, it's not as if they can't go to the Bible and find things where they see that. That was very true of, um, because God was in their midst, everything prospered, right? And, um, So that's actually—so in the idea of temple, then, when God is dwelling in our midst, we're going to prosper, right? Because God is in our midst. And so one of the things that's very hard for um, people to understand of uh, uh, when after Jesus is resurrected and the uh, apostles there are going out, particularly Paul, who's an apostle, and he's suffering, right? He's suffering, like, terribly, right we tend, and a lot of people are like uh, nobody would be blessed by God if he were suffering that terribly right doesn't the presence of God mean economic prosperity health and you know uh wealth and all that kind of stuff and so paul says well there's another meaning to the temple uh as well which is death or life through death right and so substitution where the the suffering of uh the suffering of the innocent or the suffering um yeah of the innocent for the guilty uh, and obviously, with the blood of lambs and goats and all that other kind of thing in the temple, but also obviously the suffering of Christ was the same way. So here's the temple of the living God, right? Uh, Jesus Christ in the flesh, right? Yahweh in the flesh, second person of the Trinity, there. And um, well, what what happens to him? Well, he suffers, right? And that brings about life. So. Now, that's a huge role. That's a huge point of the Romans 8, and that we actually haven't talked about yet, but it is uh, that the presence of God now in us through the Holy Spirit we're the temples of God because of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's not going to mean... Uh, it's not going to mean what we want it to mean yet. We want it to mean economic prosperity, health, family, wonderful. Yeah. Uh, it's actually going to mean uh, death through life and suffering and life... Uh, and it's gonna be our suffering. And so that's actually a really that so that's when you start when you hear these things about groaning. We haven't which I haven't preached on yet. That's why he makes eventually those points about groaning.
0: Makes me think of uh when the one guy was like, Oh, you know, I'm I will follow you, Jesus, and Jesus is like, Well, you know, fox have holes and birds have nests, but you know, I'm a poor homeless guy. Yeah. And he's basically telling him, You you yeah. can't you can't do this.
1: Yeah, there's a cost. You're not
0: cut out for this. Yeah, you know? definitely a cost. And uh yeah. that's that he's referring to what you're talking about, right?
1: Yeah, and it's it is I mean, that's what's tough. So Jesus fulfills the new covenant by suffering. I'm sorry, Jesus fulfills the old covenant, creates a new covenant by suffering and death. And that's why we get the his life, you know. So the life of the Mosaic covenant is transferred to us in the Son of God. Uh, and so our the curse of the old test uh, of the Mosaic covenant is transferred to him, and so he gets the curse, we get the life. He earned the life, uh, we earn we earn the curse. He gets the curse, we earn the li- or we get the life. <laughs> and so this is and we but we get it through the Spirit, and we then bless the world uh, now in the Spirit through it. Our future is not heaven. Um, our, heaven is the I think NT Wright calls it. Um, is, you know, life after death, but really ultimately what God is doing is making the life after life after death, (laughs) which is the new heavens and new earth, which is what uh, Paul calls inheritance. And inheritance is exactly what you think it would be. Inheritance is title, wealth, uh, it is family and friends, it's uh, bodily presence, in the new earth like we're yeah. not you know so actually what the picture really truly of of what god is ultimately always trying to do is to um remake the earth uh by you know obviously expelling evil being done with evil and then he remakes the he remakes the earth um, where heaven and earth are are fully combined but what happens there you're going to have a body it's going to be bodily. It's going to be physical. Um, it's going to. You'll have it work. You'll have. You'll have. Uh, obviously, there's no crying. There's no pain. There's no. You know, there's healing. Full total. You know. But it, it's all the things you enjoy about the world right now. You will enjoy
0: because it is bodily. It Makes me think of uh, when when Jesus says he's going to prepare a place. Mm-hmm. Uh, for us. He, uh, I believe that's, is that at the Ascension or is that? Yeah, that's or, at that. That la, is at, the last supper. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's at the the last supper. Okay. For you. Yep. And so a lot of times, like when I hear stuff like that, you know, the, you know, new heaven, new earth, new bodies, you know, glorified bodies, you know, and I've always heard the joke from some guys like, yeah, you know, hopefully I'll be a bit taller, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's really hard to comprehend that. It's actually harder for me, anyways, to comprehend that, because I always had a vision of heaven as a kid as like this—you're like this spiritual being, yeah, right—and absolutely, yeah. And it's that's right. not the case, though, is it?
1: Uh, it is the case until he bring he, until he sets up the new heavens and the new earth. I mean, yes. Well, you like you to be dead to die as a Christian you will be presence with the Lord. What does that sure. mean? Will you have a body then? Probably not, in a sense that we understand it now. Um, you will be there. You will be there. But what? But like there. Uh, ultimately what's going to happen is the resurrection of the body. Uh, the resurrection of the body doesn't happen until
0: Jesus sets up the new heaven and the new earth, so everyone's, or really the second coming. So everyone who's died so far is in purgatory. Okay, that's a joke. I'm just kidding. That's not not how that works. Yes, there is. But um, but
1: that's actually so. What's so? And NT Wright really brings this out. He says there really is um, a massive misunderstanding when you think that what Jesus came to do is to make you right with God to go to heaven when you die. This doesn't make um, the New Testament make that much sense at all. You're kind of fitting a square peg into a round hole. The idea of what God is always trying to do was uh, is bless the earth is to remake the earth, is to make it new. It's all it's it is earthly, you know it is like it's inheritance, it's not um, it's not this disembodied heaven that we just sort of like can't wait to get to. And then, uh, ju- you know, judge everybody who's going to hell or something like that. It's like, no, it's not that's not that at all. Um, it's we are not escapist. We're like very pro Earth <laughs> because that God is very pro Earth, and we are the first fruits of the beginnings of a blessed creation, uh, right? So you'll we'll read about this obviously more. Um, it's the creation. Is eagerly waiting, not the second coming, well, kind of, but like it's eagerly waiting the revelation of the children of God, meaning we're fully full of the Holy Spirit. We know finally how to rule. uh, We know how to, like, uh, you know, go and create in the world and be who we were meant to be. And the creation is waiting for us, uh, not uh, necessarily creating, uh, waiting for for God. Well, and you certainly could say waiting for God, but, but Paul says he's waiting for the us to be revealed who are the people who now, um, bring about life and blessing through what Jesus did through the spirit.
0: And so just, you know, just 70 AD, I think is when you said that was when the, The Romans were kind of like done with the Jews, and that was when they destroyed the temple. Correct. And the temple hasn't been rebuilt since. Correct. Is the temple going to be rebuilt again?
1: It seems so, because there seems as if the book of Revelation says there will be sacrifices in the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, That's why people think that it will be rebuilt.
0: Okay. All right. So when the temple gets rebuilt, that's when we'll be like, finally. Right now. <laughs> is that
1: well? Um, I don't yeah. <laughs> when the temple is rebuilt, uh, everybody's just gonna. There, I would, it's gonna probably seem like COVID times a thousand. There's gonna be so much trouble on the earth, I think, that um, there won't be a lot of um. There won't be a lot of time for uh, for the uh, finals. Everybody, <laughs> uh, everybody's, okay. everybody's going to be hurting pretty bad.
0: Well, I liked your. Uh, I, I always love those verses that you see on coffee cups and you know on the the plaques on people's walls and stuff. And you look at them and you're like, "That's not what that's referring to." Uh, I yeah. I, sh- I should have looked up which one it was, but there's one that I've seen uh, like on a coffee cup before. And it's like, if you actually read it in context, God's referring to killing everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and so Dude, it's like, man. I was like, wait, yes. what? Like, I uh, so
1: That's hilarious. I've never seen that one, but... Uh, I'll have to look I it up for want you. That.
0: Actually, that sounds like a great Christmas present for me, honestly, from you. Uh, to uh, me. Okay, all right, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> I, I Actually, my, my favorite one that I, I like to put on stuff is a, a quote from Daniel, uh, or first from Daniel, where uh, it's when... I think it's Nebuchadnezzar. Like comes to his senses, and he he essentially uh, says that ba- like we're all like scum, basically. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, that's, that's the verse right there. You don't put that uh, in your kid's room. Really. But <laughs> but you uh, you talked about, uh, I believe it was in. Oh, it's 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 in the Torah. There, I think it's probably in Exodus. No, what's the one that comes after Exodus? Leviticus. Leviticus. Is that, is that what comes? Okay. Uh, where I believe it's Joshua, though, where you're talking about Joshua says that, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Mm-hmm. And he's referring to the people where he says, choose this day whom you will serve. Mm-hmm. And actually, like, God's not an option Yes, is what he's Yahweh's referring to. But we see that everywhere. Yes. And and it's like, no, actually, this is a bad spot. Like, this is a bad verse yeah. for you to be quoting for your house because it's, it's not what you think it says. Yeah. And so can, can you just like explain how, like why is Yahweh not an option in there? What is he saying before that? Uh, that well, he's saying you're
1: not going to keep, you're not, I'm giving you this law. We're re, kind of re-upping the covenant here, the Mosaic covenant. And actually this happens with Moses too at the end of Deuteronomy. Uh, he's, he just says, you're not going to keep it. You're going to go into exile. Then, um, Joshua says, choose the stay whom we serve. And he gives them the 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 uh, the, na- the gods of the nations around them or the Egyptian gods. <laughs> he doesn't give them Yahweh as an option. Because he just basically says, you're not going to fulfill this covenant. You're not going to do it. Now the the Israelites rise up and say, yes, 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 we will. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. But of course they don't. And that uh, becomes incredibly clear in the book of Joshua. Which just goes back. I'm sorry, yeah,
0: I'm sorry. Judges in the book of Judges. Which just goes back to, though, I mean, the what we talked about at the beginning here that it's not we're not capable of fulfilling that anyways, right? Yes, correct. You know. Mm-hmm. So that's it was it really was an expected outcome from the beginning, hence the reason he says, yes, choose one or the other cuz you're not going to do what you're supposed yes, to. You're not going to do this.
1: And so um and that's actually where Paul brings this up and he's saying, well, why was it given then? Um And he says, basically, it was to show the sinfulness of sin. It was to show really what sin is and how bad it actually is. Sin is so bad that it can take the good law of God and make it something um, that uh, we use selfishly, right? And that we, um, it'll just create, it just creates more and more curse. That's how bad sin is. Uh, But it it shows sin to be what it is. Um, And... Uh, that's why we do not want to live by law ultimately because it just all it does is inflame sin and empower sin uh, which is what it was meant to do just uh, it was to show the sinfulness of sin it was Mm -hmm. never to show the righteousness
0: of people so you you kind of went right into the direction that i was wanting to go back into here uh first off i believe uh it's Paul that says, why, what was the reason for the law? And he said it was added for transgression. Correct. <clears throat> and so that's exactly what you were just saying there. Mm-hmm. And you also mentioned, and I came across this too, uh, just recently, where there is no law, there is no sin. Correct. Can you explain that? Because what I hear is, is that if you're not a Jew, you don't sin. Yeah, that's right.
1: That's Correct except for what Paul this is what Romans 2 is about what Paul says it's not as if they don't sin right it's like obviously they murder and they steal and all that but they also ha- but they make laws too and they um uh, didn't even need the mosaic law to tell them what was wrong uh and right they had the law written on their hearts so even them they knew that that there was something that was right and wrong. Um, and they made laws around it and that was, uh, so it wasn't necessarily, you needed a mosaic law to tell you about the sinfulness of sin, but do you need to have the law, um, clearly define, um, well, and again, the, the, the law has, uh, you know, so it brings sin into focus. That's why you bring law, like right? So the Gentiles, they didn't have sin fully brought into focus, right? Because they made laws, of course, but were all, some of their laws uh, all just? Absolutely not. You know, it's actually, some of their laws are incredibly horrifying, right? But in the good law, you have a law from God, which is good, right? But even see there that it's uh it's uh complicated right so like he doesn't make laws for everything that he approves of either right or disapproves of either right so like he allows divorce although he hates divorce you know so it's not as if every law is an expression of of what it is that god wants um but it's there to also be a babysitter until faith in christ can come
0: and then this part right here this is this kind of goes off into a, a little off into like right field here. But when you were talking about that, it made me think of the, where where Abraham, God is telling Abraham that, you know, uh, he's going to be his, his lineage, I guess, you know, his offspring is going to be like more than the numbers of the stars, all that. And it says, the scriptures tell us that Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. Mm-hmm. I've heard this described as being Abraham believing in God sending Jesus and therefore that is what's counted to him as righteousness. But I just I don't see God explaining that to Abraham here. No, Did I miss no. something? Uh, what is Whoever said happening? that?
1: Well, yeah, they're they're wrong. Who? They're mistaken about that. Yeah. Sure.
0: What what is happening here when Abraham? Abraham's belief of what God is telling him is being counted to him as righteousness.
1: Yeah. So what um, you know, obviously Abraham is believing that God is going to take a womb uh, you know, that is good as dead and uh, raise it from the dead so that there will be a miracle child. So Paul says he believed in the resurrection of dead of the dead and it was credited to him as righteousness. And so um, and that's Romans four. Uh, so you can read about, all about that in Romans 4. So he believed uh, in resurrection, and um, and that's what was credited to him as righteousness. I mean, he believed God about the, the miracle child, right? Uh, but obviously it meant that a dead thing was going to have to be raised. Which the was, miracle
0: child being which his child.
1: I, yeah, Isaac, yeah. which would be him, but in the dead womb was going to be made alive. So in the fact, so, you know, and that is a pointer of how all those uh, who enjoy the covenant uh, that God gave to Abraham, they get into it the same way by believing in resurrection um, from the dead of Jesus. So so resurrection is what Abraham believed in, um, but uh, obviously fulfilled in Christ. But he wouldn't have known about Jesus. Right. Of course, he was talking to Jesus. Um, Just didn't know. Right, yeah. Which right. is fine. But you know? <laughs> he, I mean, he's talking to the second person of the Trinity, right? So obviously you don't have, uh, he's obviously not. Uh, jesus christ mary's son
0: yet okay so it's essentially though that he's he's believing in in this resurrection of the dead uh can we relate that also then he's believing uh that well that kind of like does that transcend over into him believing in the resurrection of christ well you can you make that jump
1: uh not for him but certainly once he you know once he's die and dies in with the lord i think he probably understands it sure okay <laughs> you know? All right but yeah not you no know, a it, bit of a stretch yeah, though yeah it was yeah definitely not revealed jesus as a human being uh now it was you know peter does say it was repeat. uh was shown to the prophets of old which abraham was one of them um that they were looking to head to a day uh, when all of this stuff were going to be fulfilled, that wasn't going to be—it wasn't going to be fulfilled in their day. So they knew they were looking forward to something, um, but they didn't know what yet. And he says, um, and that Paul says it too, right? I was—it was revealed to us in these last days by sending. Oh Christ. yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's all I got. You got anything else you want to add?
1: No, it's um, I'm... it's crazy cool stuff. I mean, it's actually like. Uh, Again, I'm I'm trying my best to help ground uh, the church a little bit and say, uh, look at what look at what God is actually doing um, by the Holy Spirit in us to bless the world, um, which will ultimately um, which will come to full fruition in the new heavens and new earth. But like, but actually begins and starts here through our suffering. Um, uh, now in the places where we are and which God will use to bring about
0: life. Romans eight is a really exciting chapter. I'm super yeah. excited that you're going through it here. So uh possibly four parts in this. <laughs> yeah. Stretch it out. Stretch Who it knows? out to five or I six. Always, I'm sure, like, or I always you like I always like have
1: ideas of like what how much how fast I'd like to get through and then reality hits so
0: wow well, take your time yeah i'm yeah. sure it's gonna be a great one so they're not boring <laughs> yeah. no you can't you know romans eight you can't really romans period you can't really get boring can you so,
1: well I uh mean, yeah i mean obviously you've got some uh coming up you obviously talk about what it means to for no predestined call justify glorify those are um that'll be fun but um but again it's actually you know now i'm learning too that's uh you know um, y- when you look at it through the fulfillment of um, the the covenants of to the Israelites as opposed to like uh, the arguments in the Re- Reformation, um, it actually brings on a, a really cool dimension that I had missed for a long time too because I'd only really seen it through the lens of you know reformational arguments.